Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross from the future. I'm recording this about 170 episodes in. We're currently in June 2023 and I just thought I'd record an introduction to my earlier episodes for the simple reason my sister was at breakfast the other day in a cafe and she overheard a lady saying to her friend, I have just found the inner work conversation. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go right the way to the beginning and work my way through the episodes. And it immediately made me want to try and contact this lady who I have no idea who she is and be like, no, don't do that. Because this this podcast, it's been going for a few years. And during that time, I have grown. I have changed. I have evolved. I have grown more confident in my abilities and in my competence, not just in my podcasting abilities, but also in what I do with my clients. I've become much more sure about who I best work with, who I best serve, and how we can best have conversations around the topics that are meaningful to the people who I work with. And so it makes me want to go, oh God, no, listen to the more recent episodes. That's where you're going to get your best value. That's where you're going to get your best insights. And it also, to be honest, makes me go, oh, in those older episodes, I sound different. I sound different because I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to be liked and accepted. I was trying really hard to find my place in this in this space. And I think it comes through. I think that you can hear that. And I'll be honest, there's some old, old episodes that I've gone back and I've thought, oh, that, that's made me cringe or I actually disagree with myself. And so it leaves me with the question, why wouldn't I take the old episodes down? And my simple answer is this. As we all navigate life and business, we all evolve and we all grow. And there is always going to be an older version of us that we wish we'd have said things differently or we wish we'd have done things differently. Like for example, at the beginning of my business, I wish that I'd have been much more confident in who I worked with and how I can serve them and really back in my own, you know, opinions around certain things. But I can't go back. None of us can. None of us can go back to a previous version of ourselves and rewrite time. And so I'm leaving all of my older episodes in for one reason only. And that is because I want you to take these older episodes and take them for what they are, a demonstration of someone growing and evolving and learning in public. And I I say all of this and I introduce this episode with the hope that that not only inspires you, but also helps you to give yourself permission to grow and evolve and learn in public. So many of us just won't put ourselves out there for fear that it's not going to be good enough and you know it's not going to be right and when i when i listen back to my original my my initial podcast episodes it's not good enough and it's not right by my standards now but it was back then everyone has to start somewhere we all have to start somewhere we can't just rock up to something and be who we want to be or have the quality that we want to have from day one. So with what you're about to listen to, please, please know that as these podcasts, as the numbers roll on, the more me you will hear me get, but that's the more me now. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't value and insight in these older episodes. It's just letting you know that this is my version of growing and evolving out loud. So with all that said, let's get into the episode.
Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation, a podcast I've created with leaders like you in mind. I'm Nikki Cross, owner of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I'm discussing a topic that has impacted us all at one point or another, and that is imposter syndrome. Today, I'm sharing with you my own experience with imposter syndrome and also my five top tips to helping you deal with that mother fluffer. And of course, as always, I'm diving into all things inner work with the objective of making you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone. Before I dive in, I want to let you know that although my one-to-one coaching spaces are now fully booked, I am opening up spaces for consultation calls at the end of March for a late April start. So please do contact me if you're interested in working with me one-to-one. And of course, the doors are open to Thrive Together and I would love to welcome you inside. So I'll leave the link to that in my show notes too. Without further ado, let's dive straight in. So in the lead up to this episode, I did a bit of research on what imposter syndrome actually is. And one of the definitions that I came across was, to put it simply, imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like a phony. You feel as though at any moment you're going to be found out as a fraud, like you don't belong where you are and you only got there through dumb luck. And I think that's a feeling that we can all relate to at one point or another in our career. Um, And maybe for you, that's exactly where you are right now. But in this episode, I wanted to share both my personal experience with imposter syndrome, but also share with you five tips that have really helped me along the way. So to dive straight in, I think it's probably wise to point out that for me, imposter syndrome was not something that came along actually until I started my own business. Let me explain why. Until I set up my own business, I have always had a certain mode on and this absolutely was not intentional. So I want to explain this context to you so that when it comes to me sharing my tips, it all makes sense. So to go back, I think the first thing that I want to point out is I have typically always been the youngest throughout my life, throughout my career. I've always been the youngest one. I'm a late August baby, so I was always the youngest in school. My sisters are 11 and 17 years older than me. I've always knocked around with people who are more mature than me. And particularly in my professional life, I've always gone for positions that are out of my league, in inverted commas. So 15 years ago, when I stepped into learning and development, I look back and that was the time that I probably should have felt imposter syndrome, but I can genuinely hand on heart say, I know what imposter syndrome feels like now and I did not feel like that then. Um, And there is a reason that I'm explaining this to you and that is because I always had it in my head and this was totally subconscious. I always had it in my head that because I was the youngest, the youngest in the department in learning and development where I worked, I had it in my head that I was in learning mode. I was learning. And because I had that in my head, it was almost like, this is on reflection, it was almost like I'd given myself this permission slip to completely fuck up and to learn and to develop. And in doing so, I then didn't have to carry this facade that I had to do it all perfectly or it was going to get found out. And as I say, I didn't do this on purpose. This is just the way my mind was at that time. And so I went from that initial role in learning and development to roles in work-based learning and then probably got 
the most significant role of my career in terms of growth, um, which was when I joined a recruitment business. I joined them as their trainer. And throughout the, I don't know, seven years that I was with them, progressed into their people performance director. And what I noticed is as my career progressed, as a true manifesting generator does, if you're into human design, I noticed that instead of going after roles and feeling almost really satisfied within the role, instead I felt like I was building roles for myself by working out what the business needed and working with the top team by showing them what I thought they needed and then doing the job. But doing the job with a view to almost it being like a project, like, okay, well, I've come and I've done what I needed to do and it was like I had an end point in mind, like a point where my work there would be done and I would almost make myself redundant. I literally, <laughs> like looking back, I literally went from job to job, almost creating a role for myself with a view to doing myself out of a job in that job. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but for this reason, I never really experienced imposter syndrome because I always had that view of I'm learning and this role is about growth but also at some point you're not going to need me in this role anymore. And I was always in that learning mode. And even with the most recent role that I worked in prior to setting up the business, which was with an e-learning company, supporting their clients with people development strategies um, and implementing learning and development into their businesses, I still didn't really feel like an imposter in that role because I felt like it was new to me. I didn't feel like I had to demonstrate that I was the finished article and therefore I didn't have to feel like I was going to get found out or like a phony or a fraud. So, But then it changed. <laughs> when, um, when I launched Thrive Life and Business in May 2020, I can hand on heart say for the first three months I felt like a fraud like I was majorly skilled at what I actually do, 15 years worth to be specific. But because I had no clue how to actually run a business, I just felt like at any given day I could wake up and someone somewhere was going to tap me on the shoulder and be a bit like, well, you're not qualified to do this. And because of that, there was a lot of looking around me that I did. I did a lot of comparison in that first three months and I genuinely felt like I didn't really belong um, I felt like there were so many of me, in inverted commas, out there that who the hell was I to show up and just be doing this? And so any success that I did have within that first three to six months, the way I viewed those successes was, well, that must be a fluke. It must just be luck. How could I possibly replicate that? Which in turn then had a knock-on effect of how I actually showed up in the world and on social media, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. So feeling this way and not addressing it really held me back. And I suppose I didn't address it because I was so new into business. Part of me was like, well, this, <laughs> this just must be the way that it feels at the beginning, you know? But, oh God, it held me back. It held me back by spending too much time on things because they had to be perfect. It held me back because I didn't ask for any help. It held me back because I felt silly. It held me back because it knocked my confidence. And it held me back because it bloody exhausted me. It really did. I was not being authentic in that time. And that came with a lot of shame. And hiding that shame was tiring, really. 
And finally, it held me back because it made me play small. I was literally scared of being seen. And I was showing up on social media, but not fully owning what I'm here to do. Not like I do today is probably the best way to put it. And that's because I was scared. I was scared that if I did do that, that someone somewhere would shout very loudly for everyone to hear, Oi, what are you to be doing that? Get back in your box. That's how I genuinely felt. And so the last thing in terms of my own experience that I want to share with you about that is, after all of what I've just told you, what I would then do, my imagination would take it a step further, just for good measure. (laughs) And I remember, like, I've got journal entries that I've looked back on to prepare for this episode, but I can remember it. I would sit in front of my laptop, not going for things fully, not fully showing up, and be thinking thoughts like, if my success was a fluke, I won't be able to replicate it. And if I can't replicate it, then my business will fail. And if my business fails, I'll be a failure and I'll let all of these peoples down. And I won't be able to meet my financial obligations and what will they think and blah, blah, blah. And I attached myself. That was the biggest thing in all of it. I attached myself to that and my self-worth, I suppose. And I even remember in one of my most successful, financially, one of my most successful months last year, from memory, I think it was August 2020 or maybe September, I actually remember, and I'm ashamed to say this now, but I remember searching for jobs. I was looking for jobs because I didn't apply for any, to be fair, but I was looking because I genuinely thought this is just luck and what is going to happen when my luck runs out. And if it's luck and everyone around me is saying how well I'm doing, imagine their disappointment when I stop being lucky and I fail. Best just be safe and go back to a job. That's what was going through my mind at that time. It's a wonder my um, my old employer didn't get a mail from me, to be fair. <laughs> but going through something new can be hard enough. You know, new job, new industry, new new business, new whatever it is. You know, new to parenthood, whatever it is. It can be hard enough without you then giving yourself a side serving of catastrophic ramifications for good measure, you know? And anyway... I knew that I couldn't go on feeling the way that I did. It wasn't healthy for me and it was not healthy for my business. The only time that I felt fully comfortable was the time that I was actually serving my clients and being on those coaching calls with them. So I used the tools that I had in my toolbox and I want to share them with you because I know how many of you are listening and relating to the explanation (laughs) that I'm giving you of my own experience. So Regardless of when this has popped up for you, there's five things that I want to just quickly comment on in in the hope that from this episode you'll be able to take something and action it that will help you too. So the first thing that I did was get really self-aware. For me, that looked like a strict morning journal practice, 20 to 30 minutes of sitting there with nothing but pen and paper and a coffee, (laughs) and the intention of getting my thoughts onto paper. Now, my own clients, or, you know, my one-to-one clients, or anyone inside Thrive Together, you will know that this is a major turning point, when you can look down, and objectively look at the words, than the thoughts that you've written on that paper, that were once swirling around in your head, and finally being held by the page instead, for you to detach from, and objectively see. And I noticed that for some people, they can feel really reluctant to journaling as a practice because 
they tried it once and nothing came out or you know it's just not for them writing's just not for them but the point is whether you can get the words onto paper or not they're still there swirling so you owe it to yourself to try you know and don't listen to my words and think okay well journaling is the only way well no it's not mind mapping or set you know going for a walk and sending yourself a voice note i will often walk the dogs and look probably look to the world like i'm on the phone but i'm not i'm recording my own voice note that no one's ever going to hear but it's just my way of journaling while i'm on the go however you do it just take that point that i've made there of the thoughts are happening to you anyway they're in there anyway so you may as well get them out I shared with a new one-to-one client of mine the other day that some of my journaling pages are pure rants. Yeah, there's. I think that people probably picture people like me who've been journaling for a long time and think, oh, well, God, that must be like, you know, such insightful wisdom that's coming out on that page. It's not. Some of them, like even, even to up until this week, some of my journal entries are just a rant. Some are just a page of questions that I don't have answers to. Some are pages of pure, pathetic victim mentality rage. But this is good. It's good because if I didn't let it out, it would still be in, inside of me, causing fucking havoc, right? So when it's out, I can meet it. I can review it and I can change it. But if it's in me, all that happens, and I can only explain it from my personal perspective is it feels like it's swirling around me like a little demon creating all sorts. So anyway, the first thing that I wanted to share with you is when I got more aware of the way that I was thinking, I noticed for me that imposter syndrome was coming up like, I have to get this perfect or they'll see I'm shit. Um, And it was also coming up like, I have to do more and give more in order to be worthy. So my first thing to you would be get really self-aware and notice how does imposter syndrome show up for you? For some people that I've worked with, it's shown up as detachment. So rather than allow themselves to feel a certain way, they'll just go, no, fuck off. I'm not, I'm not joining in. You carry on. I'm not doing that thing. And they will cut themselves off completely from joining in or the opportunity. They'll just be like, nah, no, not doing it. Um, For other people, it's just pure sabotage. So, you know, that could show up as procrastination or overcomplicating things. But essentially, the way that it will be showing up will be you getting in your own way and you're doing that so that you don't have to feel some sort of discomfort or pain or shame. But whatever it is, notice it because everything always starts with self-awareness. It just does. Okay, so the second thing that I did, that's not, it's not like I did that and then I did this and then I did that. Like these, these things all overlap, right? The second tip is come from service, not self. So if I was to look back on my journal entries around that time and when I raised my self-awareness then, I noticed something very specific. All of my imposter thoughts, they were all focused on me. Me, 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 me. What if I'm not good enough? What if they find me out? What if they see I'm not perfect? Nowhere near perfect. And as soon as I noticed this, I started coming less from a place of looking out there and wondering if I compared to people and if I was good enough and more from a place of service. Yeah, so I stopped shining a light inward on myself and I started shining a light outward on the people I wanted to serve. 
Stop wondering. Stop wondering if you belong and start asking how you can be of service. Note down your feelings and in doing so, you will notice they're usually all about you. Shine the light on the people that that can benefit from your value. What do they need? How can you help them? And this also helped me to stay more in my own lane. Stop looking around, stop comparing myself. Because when you start focusing more on how you can serve the people that you are here to serve, automatically you give yourself a bit of a permission slip to just show up as you and stop copying and comparing and conforming. You know, if the people that want you to serve them, if they wanted that person over there, they would have gone for them. You aren't the same as them. You're you and that's a good thing. And them over there who you're comparing yourself, they might be good, but in them being good, that doesn't detract away from your goodness and you being good. It's just you're different, you're you, and they might do something a certain way and be getting success from it. But that doesn't mean that you can't do the same thing in a different way and also get success from it. Do you see? It's like the moment we put our focus and attention and energy on being of service instead of looking at ourselves and wondering how we're being perceived in the world and where we're positioned in the world, that's the moment it changes. And there were two, I remember around this time, there were two people, three actually, and their content was something I was really inhaling around that time and they were Brendan Burchard, Marie Forleo and also Seth Godin as well. I remember I was reading... um, one of his marketing books at the time, which I will link down below all of these resources for you. There's another There's another point on come from service, not self, is when you are in service, and this links to my fourth point, I think. Yeah, my fourth point, which I'll come on to in a minute. When you come from service, you aren't afraid to recognise where you do need more knowledge or more, more skill or more support, and therefore you go after it rather than staying stuck in this energy of, what about me, 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 me? How am I being perceived? What if I fail? You can be of service and therefore look more objectively at where you can develop. So before I, (laughs) I'm noticing myself cross into other points that I wanna make. So before I carry on doing that, let me go into point three. So tip number three is stop avoiding difficulties. Stop avoiding discomfort. When we suffer with imposter syndrome, we tend to, what we tend to do is like step back, step away from challenges. And therefore what we're not providing ourselves is the opportunity to give ourselves the evidence that actually, yes, you fucking can. Yes, you can. But when you don't even venture into the discomfort of that challenge, what what is the evidence that you've got then? The evidence is showing you, well, no, you can't because you didn't. Inside Thrive Together, which is my membership, which is of course linked in the show notes, I would welcome you inside. I've got a module in there about holding yourself back. And it's really important to say, you're always gonna have days where you just don't want to. The discomfort is real, but keep showing up anyway. If you can do small things consistently, what that will do is shift your identity from someone who can't to someone who can You have to set goals for yourself because when you don't have confidence, you don't have clarity. And when you don't have clarity, you will not set goals. And when you don't set goals, you will not progress. You'll always find a reason not to do it. Business is busy. Even if business isn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Productively busy. Like, you know, you're not 
being of service or generating revenue or you know delighting your clients in whatever way business can always be busy you can always find things to do but are those things that you are finding to do pushing and empowering you and pushing you you and your business further or are they just keeping you in this nice small safe box take the tiny steps set the tiny deadlines build trust with yourself show yourself you deserve the success this is another thing with imposter syndrome like i was saying earlier on we can convince ourselves that the success that we've had we didn't deserve it was just pure luck and to be honest like on this particular point when i'm talking about stop avoiding difficulties a lot of the time when i'm working with people and they are coming up against that discomfort so it could be the discomfort of trying something new or it could be the discomfort just of growth my thing that i always say to them is oh right so are you special then (laughs) tongue in cheek but you know many a truth do you get to skip the work then do you in growth (laughs) and what i mean by that when i say that i'm 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 not being an arsehole about it what i'm saying is no one gets to skip the discomfort of being new something i'm going to come on to in my next point which is the conscious conscious competence model when you avoid difficulties there is bliss in that space in that you don't have to feel the discomfort of that difficult thing or that difficult scenario or that difficult challenge that's quite blissful comfort but it's also quite it gets quite uncomfortable as well because you are not pursuing the things that the potential that lives inside you knows you should be and therefore you can't skip that part that is uncomfortable no one gets that. You don't get to skip the work. And I'm not saying growth is linear. I'm not saying that you have to follow steps one through to 20 in order for you to grow. I'm saying that people moan and back off from things because it can be hard sometimes. Yes, it is. It is hard, but it's hard for everyone. So so yeah, I appreciate that you might have to sacrifice watching the Real Housewives or football to to suffer some discomfort to knuckle down but ultimately you have to look at where you want to be and who you want to be in a year or six months or even a month from now and prioritize because you can have your growth or you can have your excuses but you cannot have both so yeah to to summarize on that because i know i've got darted around a little bit point three is just stop backing away from difficulties and part of power planning that we do inside of thrive together is when we plan for our week we we focus on what could trip you up this week where are you going to need to show up for yourself and that is a massive part in progression and growth is during those times just backing yourself because you can and anyway that leads me on to point four Point four is actually assess and address your competence. So a lot of the time we, we say things like, yeah, you know, I, I feel really confident with that. Or we say, oh, I just don't feel confident with that whatsoever. And we focus on the confidence in the situation. But what we tend to do a lot of the time is we ignore the competence. I talked the other day, Um, I filmed an IGTV, an eight minute IGTV over on my Instagram about the fact that you might be feeling like an imposter because maybe, and you might be feeling like a fraud because maybe, just maybe, you are being one. (laughs) And I know this probably isn't what you want to hear right now, but in anything new, in any element of growth where we're stepping up, where we're leveling up, 
you are going to go through something called the conscious competence matrix, the conscious competence model. And this was something that was introduced to the learning and development industry in the 1970s. And essentially there's four stages to this model there. And I will link it in the show notes if you want a really nice visual for this, because it's hard to explain it just on audio. But the four stages are unconscious incompetence, which is when you don't know what you don't know. And in that state, it's like bliss. When you don't know what you don't know, it's usually because it doesn't matter at that point. So um, when I am a baby in a pram and I'm watching everyone go around me and some of those people are on bicycles, I don't know what I don't know because I don't need to ride a bike yet. I'm a baby, I'm in a pram, I get pushed around. And so it doesn't feel uncomfortable at all until I'm growing and my mum wants me to go on a bike and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. Wow, now it's uncomfortable. Shit, now I can recognise because I've fallen off a few times that I don't know what I don't know and this doesn't feel very nice. And that takes you into conscious, sorry, I'm skipping there. That takes you into the second stage, which is conscious incompetence, which is exactly what I've just explained. I now recognize that I don't know what I need to know to be able to do this thing. So I'm consciously incompetent. And in conscious incompetence, that is usually the stage where we are learning and we are developing and we are growing. And it feels like shit a lot of the time, especially if you are a leader in a business and you feel like you have to show up as this finished article. You have to show up as this perfect version and put on this facade that you haven't got any growth to do. Come to me for the answers. Here I am ready and waiting, right? So when you're in conscious incompetence, it can feel fraudulent unless you own it, which is something I'm going to talk about in a minute. Third stage is conscious competence. So that's when you know what you need to know and you can do it too, but you're consciously aware of it. So it's a little bit like when you're learning to ride a bike, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do with your hands and your arms and your legs in order to get from A to B, but you have to really think about it. it it's, it's a conscious thing that you are doing, which leads you on to the final stage, which is stage four, unconscious competence. You you don't even think about it. You go from A to B and you haven't even considered how, do, how you've got there. You've just done it. It's something you're unconscious about now and you're all listening, you're all in unconscious competence about so many things. And it's really easy to forget all of the other stages that you've been through to get to that point. So if I was to say to you now, do you know how to make a cup of tea? You'd be like, of course I know how to make a cup of tea. But there was a point in your life where you did not know how to make a cup of tea. And you've been through that conscious competence cycle. And at some point, it was something you really had to think about. And that's the, that's the problem you see. And this is point five that I'll get to in a minute is we forget our growth journey as soon as we get to that end stage. As soon as we're in unconscious competence, it's like, okay, I can do it now. What's next? But here's the thing, understanding that there are, as a leader, there are many skills that you need to be competent in. Many. And that skills list won't just stop. It's not like you're going to get to a stage where the growth just stops because the world keeps going and the world keeps changing and therefore you have to evolve with it, right? 
And so you are always, with different skills, you're always going to be in different places in that conscious competence model. And therefore, there are going to be some aspects of your job that you are completely unconsciously competent at. And there are going to be other parts of your job that you are in conscious incompetence. And that's where we become unstuck. Because it's a difficult one because you feel like you should know it all and you should be able to do it all. And you might even blame the reason that you feel like a fraud because you've got a team to look credible in front of and therefore you can't possibly demonstrate that you are lacking in a specific area. But here's the thing, if you won't demonstrate that you are up for growth and you are constantly putting up this facade of perfection, my challenge back to you would be, A, what culture are you creating in your team? How comfortable are you making it in your team for people to come to you or or turn to their colleagues and say, I'm actually really struggling with that particular skill and I need help with it. And I always see this when when I look at businesses, particularly in my previous role, I would be able to tell the culture from the top down from the way that people owned and assessed, the the people in the business, the way they owned and assessed their own development needs. So if I was to go into a business and all of the people in that business, the staff in that business was saying, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty competent in my role. This is how it sounds. Maybe I could get a little bit better at managing my time. Yeah, that's always the go-to. Maybe a bit better at managing my time. What we do is therefore we make it like, I haven't got any development to do. I would always be able to tell how the leadership was operating in that business based on the culture of how the staff owned their own development. In other words, was it safe for me in that business to demonstrate that I I was lacking in certain skills or not? And therefore, that's why I'm challenging you as a leader. A, what culture are you creating? And B, how can you ex- ever, at the same point really, how can you ever expect them to show up with their vulnerabilities if you won't go first? So I suppose my point on this one is go through your role and think about the areas that you feel like a fraud. And actually, honestly, to yourself, even if you don't feel like you can do this with someone else, and if you're inside Thrive Together, reach out to me in, the, in your own private forum and I'll help you with this exercise really assess where your competence levels are in relation to the areas that you're feeling impostery in or like a fraud in because it may well be that you actually do have growth to do in those areas and my god if you can do that and you see that actually there's areas for you to develop ask for help please never feel like getting help with a certain skill that you think you should already be competent in means that you are less capable or diminishes your worth or diminishes your potential or anything. God, if I could go back to the first three months in my business, if I could tell myself one thing at that time, it would be get honest and ask for support. If I'd have done that, I would be much further along in my business now than than I actually am. And I learned the hard way that there are no prizes for figuring it out on your own. Because quite honestly, nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> nobody cares if you are figuring it out on your own and you're struggling and suffering or if you've paid someone to help you, a coach, a marketing specialist, a whatever specialist to help you. Nobody gives a shit. So ask for the help. 
This is a ranty episode, isn't it? But I obviously feel very, very passionate about it. So if that's the tone that you're hearing from this episode, you have probably nailed it, to be fair. And I'm not even going to edit this out either. I'm not even sorry. Um, So the last point, number five, is for God's sake, celebrate your wins. I did some research before recording this episode, like I said earlier, and time and time and time again, I read articles and have read books on that detail how our brain works, you know, brain science, and our brains are wired to automatically not just notice, but also remember the bad or negative experiences over the good. And to prove this point, I'd ask you to ask yourself, would you be more unhappy about losing 50 quid than you would gaining it? Just ask yourself that question. You'll probably prove this exact point. It is so important to me that I be very clear on what I mean when I say celebrate your wins because wins can be results, absolutely. But when you're not getting the results because you are in that growth and learning mode, it can be very hard to celebrate because you're not actually seeing results yet. So what I mean when I say, for God's sake, celebrate your wins, is within the areas that you are competent and you are confident, celebrate them. In an old IGTV, I mentioned something in there called a brag bank. And it's amazed me because literally when um, I reshared this video, this IGTV last year, a manager got in touch with me that I worked with eight years ago. They contacted me to say, oh my God, Nick, you're still going on about a brag bank. (laughs) And then they went on to share with me that they now have managers who sit underneath them who they've implemented this brag bank with and they have developed this within their teams and they are the highest performing teams and that is partly down to they intentionally focus on the good and this isn't sort of toxic positivity kind of intentionally focusing on the good this is quite simply our brains are wired to remember the shit stuff the times that you failed the times that you didn't quite hit the mark and therefore if you're not celebrating um getting to the next level of your growth or a small win in any way shape or form then your brain is therefore just going to remember the negative times, the the things that you can't do, the areas that you're a bit shit at. I must emphasise, it often seems even more powerful when the thing that we're celebrating is about the outcome of us being in service. So going back to that initial point that I made of being in service rather than focus on self, when you're celebrating your wins... Can you make your wins about the people you serve rather than, I was good at this today, I achieved that today? When it's not about us and it's about contribution, by God, does that hit deeper. So celebrate that. When have you built competence and therefore confidence? Usually you can recognise this as doing something outside of your comfort zone. Celebrate that. Celebrate it. Notice it intentionally. Because if you don't, Your mind will only be storing the shitty bits and the evidence that that will be giving you is actually you aren't that good anyway. So no wonder you feel like a fraud. No wonder you feel shit. Lastly, like I mentioned in, I think it was episode 11, which muscle are you building? Are you building the muscle that says you trust yourself to be able to figure it out? Or are you building the muscle that says, 
I won't be able to figure this out. I'm not going to be able to handle this adversity or the challenges that I'm going to be faced with. So the more that you can celebrate those wins, those small wins, those wins in your growth even, the more evidence that you're going to give yourself that actually, yes, you can. And you're going to be building that muscle that is your resilience muscle. So I hope those five tips help. I also hope that me sharing my own experience in my own journey helps because these aren't particularly experiences that I would (laughs) share openly for the world to hear. But I'm doing that not to talk about myself and indulge in sort of um, self-reflection because I can do that on my own, but more so because I get feedback all the time in my podcast episodes to say, thanks for sharing that because I feel nervous too or thanks for sharing that because I feel a bit shit at times about these things and hearing someone else say it out loud really helps so yeah I hope that my sharing my experience helps you today but I also hope that those five tips help too and as I always say I hope you've enjoyed this episode but more to the point that you will go away from this episode and genuinely intentionally implement some of the things that I've talked about I am all ears for anyone who wants to contact me and say, do you know what, Nicka, listen to that episode, I tried that thing and here's the outcome. Please, please contact me if that is something that is happening with you because that for me is the buzz. That for me is the true, true win of the work that I do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some key takeaways that you can implement into your leadership and personal development practice. And if you did, please do screenshot this and tag me in your screenshot, sharing your key takeaways. My favourite bit, as I've said in the podcast, is knowing how you're going to take this information away and apply it in your own life. Of course, all relevant links are in the show notes of this episode. Don't forget to make sure you're subscribed and consider sharing this podcast with another leader or business owner that it might help too. Finally, if you'd like to stay updated with me and what I'm up to, I'll leave all the links to my social media accounts in the show notes or head on over to tlb.org.uk. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.